So hey everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles. And during our webinar today, we're gonna to review some of the most important concepts of the construction and evaluation exam um, as we work through some exercises um, and questions with one of our virtual workshop instructors, uh, Jory Colarusso. Today, you're gonna to get some extra CE practice as well as a preview of our virtual workshops because uh, as I mentioned, uh, Jory's uh, one of our instructors. Um, so it should be a really good session. Uh, a couple of updates. If you're new to joining us here at Black Spectacles, uh, we're the first ever NCARB approved uh, online test prep provider for all six of the ARE 5.0 divisions. Uh, we offer a comprehensive test prep for the ARE with video lectures, practice exams, flashcards, and virtual workshops. And it's all available online uh, and with memberships available uh, for either individual architects or firms or AIA chapters or schools. So if you wanna learn more about that, you can go to blackspectacles.com um, and click ARE prep to find out more about, um, about our offering. As a reminder, uh, we're proud to have launched our ARE guarantee. Uh, we're confident, or so confident, that if you use our expert membership to the fullest, that you'll pass the ARE. And if you don't, we're putting our money where our mouth is and paying for your retake. So to learn more about how that works and how to qualify for it, you can go to blackspectacles.com and look for the ARE guarantee page. Uh, as I mentioned, we have group memberships as well. So if you want to learn more about those, uh, you can go to blackspectacles.com and check out the pricing section. And whether you're a firm or you're an AI chapter or you're a school, you can learn more about it there. Our next ARE Live broadcast is going to be on September 16th. Uh, and we're going to be hosting a really interesting panel discussion on uh, testing strategies for ESL candidates or English as a second language uh, candidates. Uh, this is uh, frequently um, noted as a pain point for some folks. Uh, so we're gonna have some guest speakers uh, join us and they're gonna share their experiences with the licensure process um, as a non-native uh, English speaker. Um, and they'll share some tips uh, on how to approach the exam and how to overcome the language barrier. So it should be a really good session. Um, don't uh, miss the episode, uh, certainly for next month. Um, today we're gonna be engaging during this uh, webinar exclusively on our ARE uh, community, which is online. So if you go to uh, community.blackspectacles.com and you scroll down there, we have the um, today's ARE Live uh, thread kind of pinned to the top there. Uh, it says ARE Live Construction and Evaluation Exercise 21. And if you click there, um, you can leave a comment or ask any questions. Um, everyone who posts in that thread today, we'll be eligible to win a free Black Spectacles t-shirt. So head over there um, and all you have to do is say hello. You don't even have to have a great question if you don't have one, uh, but just say hi and uh, and that'll enter you into our, uh, our little uh, giveaway for the t-shirt. Um, yeah, let's see here, what else can I tell you? Today we have a special discount on all Black Spectacles ARE prep memberships to share. Uh, we'll share that coupon code at the end of the show. So stick around for that. My guest today, of course, is uh, Jory Colarusso. Jory is an architect at Lederbach and Graham Architects here in Chicago, uh, where she specializes in custom residential architecture throughout the Midwest. As I mentioned at the beginning, she's also a CE workshop instructor uh, for Black Spectacles and has been doing that uh, since the beginning of the year, which um, and her sessions have been um, uh, noted as uh, you know very, very good, very helpful, and so forth. So really happy to have you today, Jory, uh, join us. And uh, with that, um, Jory, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
So I guess we'll just uh, hop right in and get started. I'm gonna walk you through um, some practice questions that focus on the idea of bidding and different types of project delivery methods. Um, so here we go. All right, number one is a scenario. A local architecture firm was hired by a developer to design an addition to a historic brick building on Main Street. The existing building is four stories with a storefront on the ground floor and apartments above. The building also has a one-story addition built onto the rear. So I'm just gonna go ahead and draw this to kind of help you visualize it here. So if this is the street, you have a little curb, building, a little wonky, and then it's got a one-story addition on the back. So this should be, these should all be equal, but you get the point. Um, so anyway, the architect proposes a three-story addition on top of the existing one-story addition to create a building with four equal stories. So this is the proposed portion here, that portion. Okay, so then these ones are, this will allow for more residential space. So this is residential here. And then this is that commercial. Okay, after completion of the schematic design phase. So just as a strategy, anytime that the question tells you where you are in, you know, which phase of the design or the construction, wherever, whenever it tells you where you are, you definitely wanna make note of that because that phrase might there might help you eliminate a couple incorrect answers um, from the choices that are given. So after completion of the schematic design phase, the architect and developer discuss the best project delivery method for this project. The developer has strong relationships with several contractors, also important to note. Time, risk management, and cost are top priorities for the developer. So that is also a key thing to note. Um, priorities of the owner are always um, very important to keep in mind um, because different project delivery methods are chosen based on what the owner's priorities are. So anytime that's given to you, that is definitely gonna be something to keep in mind. Um, so which of the following project delivery methods might be appropriate for this scenario? Check the three that apply. So it really just depends on what your owner wants. Um, in this case, they have relationships with several contractors, time, risk management, and cost are top priorities. So I'm just gonna run through a little summary of uh, each one of these options, and then we'll go through the reasons why they may or may not be a good fit in this case. So design, bid, build, I'm sure everyone's very familiar with this, um, pretty standard, an architect does the drawings, assists to bid the project out, a contractor is selected, and the contractor builds it. It's pretty straightforward, common way of doing things. Um, this is a good one to use if cost is a priority, uh, because you're getting multiple bids from multiple contractors, it's competitively bid out, um, so you can compare those bids and hopefully get the best price. So that might be something to consider here since cost is a top priority for the owner. Uh, B, multiple prime contractors. Multiple prime is when you have um, a few different contractors doing different parts of the work. This might be when you have a particularly large or complex project. Um, another reason to use it is you might wanna use um, multiple different contractors to fast track the construction process 
or maybe the owner has good relationships with different contractors who have different skill sets. You know, they know this contractor is good at this portion of building, another one's different at a different skill set. So you want to take advantage of those different skill sets. That might be a reason to use it. Um, C, design build. This is when the owner engages with one entity. Um, someone might want to use that to have one point of contact rather than having a separate architect and contractor. So rather than the owner having um, a contract with their architect and a separate contract with their contractor, it's just one point of contact. Um, so it can be a little bit easier from that perspective. This is often used um, when minimizing risk is a priority of the owner as well as having a clearly defined cost uh, for construction from the very beginning, because that's something that's typically um, discussed earlier on. There, there isn't really like that bidding phase, so that's something that's established early on. Um, so something to keep in mind since cost, again, is a priority for our owner in this case. Uh, the next one, the construction manager is constructor. This is when um, a construction manager is brought on, usually during design, um, to provide input on constructability and cost. The CMC does become the builder and typically there's a guaranteed maximum price or GMP based on um, the design documents. So this might be used when having that clear understanding of cost or schedule um, earlier on is important to the owner. So again, in this case, time and cost are a priority for the owner. So that's another thing to take note of. Uh, the next one, integrated project delivery. This is the approach where all major parties are involved from the very beginning. So the idea is that everyone can give inputs early on to maximize the value for the owner and hopefully have a smoother, more efficient process overall. And that's another way of minimizing risk, hopefully. So that's kind of like a newer approach um, that I haven't really seen done a whole lot, but that's the idea is that it's everyone working together from the very beginning. Um, and then the last one, design, negotiate, build. This is pretty similar to design, bid, build. I've seen this done a lot um, in my own practice. It's usually like the contractor might be brought on earlier, maybe at the end of schematic design. Um, and instead of a bidding phase, there's a negotiation phase where the project cost, or at least how the cost will be determined, is negotiated rather than having the bidding. Um, so often this is used when the owner has a contractor in mind, maybe who they've worked with before, which again, helps minimize risk. So here it says that the developer does have strong relationships with several contractors. So that might be something to keep in mind as well. All right, so I've run through all of those. Um, what stands out to me as one that would not be a good fit right away is multiple prime. Um, it just doesn't seem like a large enough project to warrant that extra complexity of having multiple contractors involved. It's, it's just an addition of three stories. So doesn't really seem complex, so we're gonna get rid of that one. Um, and then earlier I mentioned to take note of the fact that we're at the end of the schematic design phase. So that phrase right there is gonna help you eliminate two other options here. So those are design build and integrated project delivery. So at this point, it's kind of too late for those. Those two project delivery methods would be decided from the very, very beginning, like at pre-design. So we're kind of too far along. Uh, you know, for design build, there's already an architect working on the drawings. Um, and for design build, the architect and the contractor would be the same entity. So just because of where we are in the project, we can cross that off as well. Um, and then same thing for integrated project delivery. In a sense, it's like too late for that. It would have had to be um, IPD from the very beginning.
So we'll cross that off so that uh, check three that applies. So we have our answers A, D, and F, design, bid, build, construction manager is constructor, and design, negotiate, build. All Any of those three could be a good fit in this case. You just talk to the owner about um, you know, their different options, explain what the what the differences are between those, but it seems like a pretty straightforward project, not too complex. Um, cost is important, so doing that competitive bidding might be a good thing to do, or engaging one of these several contractors that the owner already knows, um, maybe as the construction manager, or maybe as someone that they could negotiate with. And hopefully, um, you know, if they were a construction manager or something like that, they could provide uh, cost inputs early on and scheduling inputs and things like that. And then the fact that the developer already knows the contractor hopefully uh, minimizes risk as well. So that is that one. All right, moving on to number two. An architect is designing a new mixed-use building and has just completed the schematic design. The, so again, I'll just underline that, just complete a schematic design, just like the one that we just looked at. The owner would like to use a construction manager as constructor or CMC to carry out the work. The architect will be assisting in the selection process of the CMC. Uh, which steps below would be appropriate for selection of the CMC? Check the three that apply. So how are you going to evaluate this potential CMC? How do you select them? What is the architect's responsibility when looking for this person? So the options are create a set of construction documents for distribution, issue an RFP to the owner's preferred contractors, review selection criteria with the owner, advertise the bid in project databases, conduct interviews, and arrange a pre-bid conference for for prospective contractors. So I'm just gonna run through each of these. Um, so A, create a set of construction documents for distribution. Well, like I said, we just completed the schematic design phase and we're looking for a CMC. So just in terms of sequencing, this just doesn't seem right. You don't have construction documents yet. Um, these would be created with the inputs from the CMC after they're hired. They haven't been created at this point and even if they were, it'd be too much information to provide this early, this just isn't right. So we're gonna cross that one off. All right, uh, B, issue an RFP to the owner's preferred contractors. So an RFP request for proposals, that is the way that you typically would um, evaluate these different contractors. So the owner might have some that they wanna consider and issuing an RFP would be the way to evaluate those options. So yes, that would be a correct answer. The um, So C, review selection criteria with the owner. So the owner and the architect should establish the selection criteria prior to receiving the proposals just so that they're on the same page as to how they're going to evaluate these different uh, proposals when they come in. So that definitely seems like an appropriate thing to do. Um, D, advertise the bid in project databases. So the, a word that should stand out to you right now is bid. So we just completed the schematic design and we're doing, um, RF, we're, we're doing an RFP for a CMC. Nothing about that is, is bidding. Basically when you do a CMC, you don't do the bidding phase, you do the request for proposals. So you wouldn't advertise the bid in project databases, especially because this is something that might be by invitation rather than just like open to anyone. 
So that can be eliminated as an option. E, conduct interviews. So this seems like it would definitely be a good thing to do. It would be important to meet the team and have them go over their proposal and answer any questions. You just, you wanna get to meet them face to face, especially if it's someone you've never worked with before. Um, for both the architect and the owner, you wanna make sure it's a good fit and just make sure there are no red flags. You wanna meet them in person. So absolutely, you would wanna do that. And then the last one, um, you've probably figured out by now, is not a correct answer. Again, based on this pre-bid conference, this isn't bidding again. So you wouldn't organize a pre-bid conference because there's no bidding at this time. So um, that might be a thing that the architect would do in a different scenario, but here it is not the case. So we have our three correct answers. B, issue an RFP to the owner's preferred contractors. C, review selection criteria with the owner. And E, conduct interviews for those potential CMCs. All right. Good stuff, Jory. Uh, no questions yet in the community, so just a note to everybody else. If you do have a question as we're going through this, feel free to drop it in the our ARE community. Just click on the ARE Live button over there. Once you go to community.blackspectacles.com, and then um, you know today's thread is is at the top there. So, um, but uh, apparently you're probably answering everyone's questions, so there aren't any questions. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess that's a good thing. We'll just that's keep going. <laughs> All right. So number three. When assisting in the selection of a CMC, so again, talking about construction managers, constructor, um, what information should the architect include in a request for proposals? Check the four that apply. So this is a question that's really similar to one that I've gone over in virtual workshops before, and it sometimes trips people up because I think they get confused a little bit on what this question is asking. So what information should the architect include in the RFP? It's not what we're asking the uh, potential CMC to tell us. It's something that we are outright telling them in the RFP. All right, so check the four that apply. The options are project description, proposed project schedule, fees for the design phase, representative drawings showing scope, desired services, and dates for submission of qualifications and bids for construction. Okay, so A, project description. Well, this seems some, like something that the architect would definitely wanna include in the RFP. The contractor will need to understand uh, the project to provide an accurate proposal. So you wanna tell them, you know, the rough area and, you know, what type of project is it? Is it a school? Is it a single family home? You know, is it a public project? They just wanna know a little bit about the, the building and the site, things like that. So of course that would be something to include. Um, B, proposed project schedule. So the contractor will need to understand the pace of the schedule in order to allocate their own staff and resources. Um, eventually, the contractor will propose a more detailed schedule of you know, the exact start date and exactly how many weeks and you know, all those different phases throughout construction. But in this case, the architect still would wanna include, you know, like we're aiming for a spring start or you know, we wanna have the whole project finished and have the owner moved in by the end of 2022, whatever it is. So some kind of idea of schedule, you definitely include that as well. Um, Seeking fees for the design phase. This one sometimes trips people up. So this is not a correct answer because the fee for contractor services will be proposed by the contractor. It's not something that you're telling them, hey, you need to charge this amount. It's something that they're gonna provide 
in their proposal. And also this could be referring to the architect's fees for the design phase, which um, the contractor doesn't need to know. So this just isn't the correct answer for those reasons. Remember, this is what we are including as the architect, not what we're asking them to provide. So that is incorrect. Um, D, representative drawings showing scope. Uh, well, yeah, sharing any drawings will help the contractor understand the scope of the project. And at this point, maybe it's just schematic design drawings. You know, maybe you're bringing the CMC on kind of early to get their inputs. Um, but anything that you have that you can share with them uh, would definitely be helpful for them. Um, and then E, desired services. So the architect should, uh, in the RFP, outline what kind of services are desired, such as the number of cost estimates or constructability reviews. Both cost estimating services and constructability reviews um, are some of the main reasons that you might want to bring the CMC on. So they would want to know, you know, when they're putting their proposal together, what are you asking them to do? So yes, you would include that. And then F, dates for submission of qualifications and bids for construction. So again, this is incorrect because of this word bids for construction. At this point, they can't really put together a full construction budget. It's pretty early on, most likely, um, and there are no bids for construction yet. The project wouldn't be detailed enough at this point. So you might want to include dates for submission of qualifications, but not bids for construction. So just the fact that that little phrase is in there makes this an incorrect answer. So check the four that apply. We have four correct answers, project description, proposed project schedule, representative drawings showing scope, and desired services. Those would be things to include in the RFB. All right, so this is a question about um, the owner's or the architect's responsibilities during procurement. So according to the AIA B101, an architect has a responsibility to assist the owner during the procurement phase of a project. Which of the following would be an additional service during competitive bidding? So I'm just going to take this time to say, please make sure for the CE exam, and I think it probably would be helpful on several other exams, please make sure to read the B101, the A101, and the A201. I know there's like a lot of legal jargon in there, it's several pages each, but um, really important to make sure you do that, particularly for this exam. If you if you go to the end of the, um, the NCARB handbook, I think that's what it's called, there's like a handbook that they provide, and at the very end, the last page of that shows you exactly which contracts are going to be covered on the CE exam and all the other exams. But those are the main three that I would recommend reading word for word. And I've included a little portion of the um, B101 here just to show you that um, it's certainly possible that on the exam you're going to see questions that come directly from the contract. So if you've read it through and you have a pretty good understanding of what's in there, um, it should be pretty easy to answer a question like this. So I'll go through each of these and kind of show you how it ties directly to the contract. So which of the following would be an additional service during competitive bidding? So um, procurement is when the architect is assisting the owner in finding a contractor. Um, since we're using the B101, it's safe to assume that it's likely design, bid, build. Um, so sometimes procurement looks a little bit different in different project delivery methods, but here we're just gonna go with that traditional design bid build. So we'll go through each of these. A, distributing the bidding documents to prospective bidders. 
So um, yes, this would be the architect's responsibility. Whatever those means are, like a database, or maybe they come to your office to pick up the drawings, whatever it is, um, the architect does distribute those documents to the prospective bidders. So that would be a, um, I guess an incorrect answer here because we're looking for which of the following would be an additional service. So not that one because that's a typical thing that the architect would do. And if we just tie that into the contract here, um, the architect shall assist the owner in bidding the project by facilitating the distribution of bidding documents to prospective bidders. Um, and for anyone who maybe is just listening in, this is in the B101 3.5.2.2. Okay, so that's not a correct answer here. B, we're gonna come back to. Um, C, organizing and conducting the opening of the bids. So the owner might have a process established for this. Um, particularly if it's a public project, there might be specific rules about opening the bids and who the results are shared with. Um, but yes, uh, however the owner wants to do it, it is the architect's role to conduct the opening of the bids, um, however directed by the owner. And here you'll be able to see that um, at point four, organizing and conducting the opening of the bids and subsequently documenting and distributing the bidding results as directed by the owner. So that is not a correct answer. Um, D, preparing responses to questions in the form of addenda. So during bidding, as questions arise, it is the architect's responsibility to prepare and distribute the answers or clarifications in the form of addenda. And it's very important, this is gonna come up again in another question, but um, it's very important that the addenda go to all bidders, not just the one asking the question. So this is um, another incorrect answer, preparing responses to questions in the form of addenda, and that can be found right here in the contract. Preparing responses to questions from prospective bidders and providing clarifications and interpretations of bidding documents to prospective bidders in the form of addenda. Um, another thing that the architect is supposed to do according to the contract um, during procurement that just wasn't one of the options in the question is um, organizing and conducting a pre-bid conference for prospective bidders, which came up in a previous question. Um, when you're looking for a CMC, that's not something that you would be doing, but in this case, it is something the architect would be doing. So obviously the correct answer, which of the following is an additional service during bidding? Uh, B, considering substitutions proposed by prospective bidders. So that comes directly from 3.5.2.3. Um, if the bidding documents permit substitutions upon the owner's written or authorization, the architect shall, as an additional service, consider requests for substitutions and prepare and distribute addenda identifying approved substitutions to all bidders. So this is when a bidder would like to propose a substitution and considering that takes extra time and is outside of the normal scope of services, it's therefore considered an additional service. Um, and just something to note, if this is something that the architect is providing as an additional service, um, it, it is similar to addenda because if you, if you are gonna do this, the, subs, uh, the substitutions are communicated through addenda, identifying approved substitutions, to, again, to all prospective bidders. So that's, I just thought that was a good one to include because it shows you that if you're familiar with the contract, these answers are right in there. So this is something that you could expect to see on the ARE is a question that just comes directly from the contract. All right, moving on to number five. 
in a project using the design bid build project delivery method, which of the following items should be included in the prime contract between the owner and the contractor. Check the three that apply. So it says we're doing design bid build, prime contract between owner and contractor, safe to assume we're talking about the A101. All right, so which of the following are within that A101? All right, the options are date of substantial completion, schedule of values, allowances, signature of owner, architect, and contractor, alternates, and list of subcontractors. So we'll go through each of these. So A, date of substantial completion. Um, this is something that would, be, would typically um, be included in the contract. Um, if this date changes at any point, the contract would be updated um, to reflect that revised date. But it's, it's such an important date to um, you know, keep track of and have documented, uh, especially because that's when a lot of like warranties and things like that kick in. So yes, that is something that should be in the contract. Uh, B, schedule of values. This is a tool provided by the contractor um, for the owner and the architect to gauge progress in the work. So it would include the contract amount and show how that's been adjusted by change orders up to that point. So it's just kind of like a snapshot of where you are at that time. Um, that is considered an optional attachment. So that's not necessarily um, in the contract. So we'll cross that off. Um, allowances. So uh, certain items may not have been specified during bidding, but an allowance was established at that time to kind of allow the owner to select the exact product at a later date. I've seen this done for things like appliances or plumbing fixtures, um, things just that haven't been, things that haven't really been defined during bidding and need to be reconciled later. So like maybe during bidding, the owner knows that they're going to have a refrigerator and you know, freezer drawers, an ice maker, whatever it is for appliances. Um, but maybe they just don't know exactly how high end those project products are going to be, exactly how much those are going to cost. They haven't selected them yet. So we'll just put an allowance in for now. And then eventually when those things are purchased, that's all been decided, um, that will be the difference between the estimate, which was like a placeholder and the actual value um, will be reconciled by change order. Um, eventually. So it's a placeholder until then. And yes, that does become a part of the contract. All right, D, signature of owner, architect, and contractor. Hopefully you caught this as kind of a trick question. Um, although all three of those parties are listed on the contract, the architect doesn't sign it. So the owner and the contractor sign it, and the architect is listed, but the architect doesn't sign it. So that's not correct. All right, and then E, alternates. Um, so the owner might elect to include alternates uh, in the contract that are within the budget. So during bidding, maybe the architect wants a price, or sorry, the owner wants a price for doing an upgrade to Windows or something like that. They're not sure if they're gonna do it, they just wanna see a price. So the bidder would list that as an option that's an alternate, and if the owner accepts that, it becomes a part of the contract. So yes, that would be included. And then the last one, F, list of subcontractors. Um, this is an optional attachment. It's a lot of information, potentially a lot of people to list. Um, it's just not typically included, um, and that might be like an evolving document. It's just not really something that needs to be in the contract. So it's, it's optional, but not necessarily. So the three correct answers here are date of substantial completion, allowances, 
and alternates would all be um, typically included in that A101 contract. All right, moving on to number six. An architect is designing a new multifamily housing project in Illinois. The team is preparing the contract documents. So again, that's where we are in the project. The team is preparing the contract documents. And the project will be using the design, bid, build, project delivery method. Which of the following are not included in the contract documents? Check the two that apply. So the options are drawings, addenda, specifications, instructions to bidders, bid security form, and contract modifications. So contract documents are all documents creating the legally binding relationship between the owner and the contractor. So I'll write out what this includes. So contract documents typically include uh, contracts, such as the A101, general conditions, etc. Um, so that's something that would be part of the contract documents. Another thing would be drawings. Um, another would be specifications. Um, addenda. And contract modifications. All right. So there's a difference difference between contract documents and bid documents. So bid documents, there's a lot of overlap. Um, so bid documents do include drawings, addenda, specifications, but also bid documents such as um, advertisement to bidders, instructions to bidders, bid forms, bid security information. So those bid documents are not a part of the contract documents. Um, it, those are, it's basically just referring to things that are assisting during the bidding process, but that's pretty much all that they're tied to. That's what they're good for. They don't become a part of the contract documents. So if we look at the answers here, D and E would be incorrect instructions to bidders and bid security form those are a part of the bid documents they're not a part of the contract documents so drawings addenda specifications contract modifications those are the answers here um that would not i'm sorry oh i'm sorry which of the following are not included in the contract documents so these are the answers Instructions to bidders, bid security form. Good reminder to always make sure you are answering the question. Check the two that apply. So the answers are D, instructions to bidders, and E, bid security form, not included in the contract documents. Hey, Jory, we did have a question um, on question number five. <clears throat> oh, sure. Um, I can go back. The question was, I didn't understand the logic to the schedule of values not being included in uh, question number five. Okay, sure. Um, I mean, you can chime in if you have a better answer, but basically it's just not a part of the A101. It's important to use it, and there I think there are like other AIA forms that can go along with the schedule of values, but it's mm -hmm. not included in the A101. So it's an optional attachment to that A101. It's something that will be used during construction, but the question is asking what's included in the prime contract, and that's just not one of them. 
Got it. That's a great one. Thank that you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Appreciate hopefully, that, Jory. Hopefully that was clear. Um, but any questions like that, it's just best to always just go back directly to the A101, make sure you read it, even though it's super long and annoying. Um, it's important to do that. I, I know I personally learned a lot just reading the contracts, things that I just didn't learn in school and didn't learn in real life. I had a lot of questions that were just answered by reading the contracts. Um, as long as it took, it was still important to do. Great advice. Um, yeah. Okay. So number seven, um, during the bidding process, a bidder notices a discrepancy between the plumbing drawings and the architectural drawings. It's found that the architect needs to update their drawings to match the plumbing drawings. What is this issuance called? So hopefully everyone knows the answer to this because we kind of went over this before. Um, the options are addendum, minor change in the work, additional service, and bulletin. So the answer is addendum, but I'll kind of go through these. Um, it's something that the architect um, issues as an answer to a bidder's question. And like I said, this goes to all the bidders, not just the one uh, asking the question. That's really important because all the bidders, in order for it to be fair, really need to have um, all of the same information. So by definition, um, basically an addendum is when a bidder has a question, ask the architect, the architect issues an answer um, in the form of an addendum. Um, minor change in the work, that's something that's communicated during construction. Uh, we're, we're referring to bidding. So minor change in the work would just be like something minor needs to be changed along the way. Um, that's not the correct answer in this at this point. Um, and then see additional service. Um, as we saw in an earlier question, answering the bidder's questions is not considered an additional service, but rather something that is the architect's responsibility during bidding. So that's why that's not a correct answer. Um, and then for bulletin, um, I've seen a few different definitions uh, for bulletin. Um, so Mark, chime in if you have a different understanding. But my understanding of a bulletin is that it's something that the architect issues when they want to communicate something, for example, to the bidders, but it's not considered a response to a bidder asking a question. Um, that would be clearly an addendum. So that's why that's not correct here. Yep. Perfect answer, I think. <laughs> you know this better okay. than I do. <laughs> well, a bulletin, that's not really something that I have ever seen used as a term in real life, um, but I have seen it show up on like ARE questions. So I think it's just kind of like, issuing a like you know issuing issuing information but not necessarily as a response to something that's that's the distinction that i understand anyway um but yeah so hopefully everyone is pretty clear that this answer should be a addendum all right so this is the last one we have a math problem um a contractor is preparing the construction cost for a new three-story mixed-use building so i'm going to draw again Okay, the first floor will be white box retail at $130 per square foot. So retail, $130 per square foot. The top two floors will be office space at $160 per square foot. $160. Office. Okay, um, a portion of the first floor is only one story, so the first floor area is 40% of the total building area. So instead, it probably looks something like that. 
So you have a portion that's just one floor. So this makes up, they're telling you that this makes up 40% of the total uh, building area. The total square footage of the building is 11,585 square feet. What is the total construction cost of the building round to the nearest dollar? All right, so how I would approach this is, um, first I would try to find how much the retail area is going to cost. So I would take the area and multiply that by 0.4, so 40%. And I would get the area of the um, first floor retail, which is 4,634 square feet. So I would take that, four, six, three, four, multiply by that construction cost of $130 per square foot. That will give you the, the total cost of the retail space, which is $602,420. Okay, and this office space they're telling you is 100% minus 40%, so this area here, is 60% of the total. Um, so you could take 11,585 and multiply by 0.6. What I'd probably do, and you're gonna come up with the same answer, but what I would probably do is just subtract 4634 to get the total area of the top two floors, which is 6951 square feet, and then 6951 times that higher construction costs. Since the, the ground floor is like white box retail, it'd be very simple. The office space, for some reason, maybe that's got a little bit, um, you know, nicer finishes or it's just more fitted out or something like that. So that's at 160 per square foot. And that gives you um, the total cost for the top two floors, dollars. So you now have the cost of both different portions, so you can add those up. 602,420 plus 1,112,160 equals 1,714,580. So let me write that here, 714,580. So that would be the total construction cost of the building rounded to the nearest dollar. Um, yeah, so that's everything I have. Hopefully that made sense. Did any more questions come in? I think we've got them all under control over here, if I'm following right. So I think we're in a good spot. There are a couple of folks who've written in and suggested that they uh, they tend to use bulletins after the contract has been awarded. Um, okay. Yeah, whereas perhaps an addendum uh, is before um, construction. Um, so uh, I think though the key uh, at the end of the day is um, around um, you know what NCARB is looking for and uh, whether or not whether or not it's a term that uh, is like you said uh, whether it's a term that shows up um, in any of the key reference materials and subsequently on the test or in the contracts. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, I think I did like a quick um, search in the contracts and I didn't really see many references to bulletins. So it might not really be a term that comes up in any official sort of way. Um, 
it might just show up as an incorrect answer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, good stuff. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jory. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. Uh, I mentioned earlier that our next ARE live broadcast um, will be on September 16th of 2021 here. We'll be just discussing uh, ARE testing strategies for when English is not your first language. Uh, we're going to post uh, a link to register in the chat box here and go to webinar, or you can go to blackspectacles.com slash ARE dash L-I-V-E to sign up for that uh, episode and any of the future ones that we have. We also post all the uh, um, the recordings so you can um, check out any of the older ones. As I mentioned at the top of the webinar, we've launched our ARE guarantee. We're so confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest, you will pass the ARE. And if you don't, we'll pay for your retake. So to learn more about how to qualify for the guarantee or to check out any of our memberships, uh, you can go to blackspectacles.com and under the ARE prep heading, you'll find a section on our guarantee uh, as well as pricing. Uh, we just shared a link as well. Um, the lucky winner, I mentioned that we would have a t-shirt giveaway today. So the lucky winner of a Black Spectacles t-shirt is Ryan L. Ryan will reach out to you via email to get your size and shipping information. Just a reminder, if you'd like to be eligible to win a free t-shirt next time, post a question that you might have about our feature topic in the community during our next ARE Live, uh, and you'll be eligible. Um, and, and again, you know, at the end of the day, the community is, is not just for ARE Live. Uh, it's a place where you can go to ask questions as you're studying and get answers. We have experts, uh, licensed architects, who um, who are tuning into the community and are there to answer your questions. So it's a great resource uh, for anybody and it's free. Um, so I certainly encourage you guys all to, to head over to community.blackspectacles.com uh, to make sure you can uh, stay tuned into the discussion over there. We're offering a 15% discount on all of our expert memberships this month which includes access to the virtual workshops and the ARE guarantee. Um, so you can use the code A-R-E-L-I-V-E-A-U-G-U-S-T-1-5, ARE Live August 15, to get 15% off any of our expert memberships and get licensed this year. Now keep in mind that the coupon code expires on September 16th, so if you're ready to start studying, head to blackspectacles.com and sign up and use code ARE Live August 15 at checkout. Finally, be sure to stick around for a few minutes today to take our survey and share any suggestions that you may have. I promise we really do read every word that you write and use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for watching.